Lord, shall we? Amen, God. Thank you, Him and praise you, Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, uh, you know, how great you are. You know, as Claudia just sang, how great you are, Lord. And, and we just pray right now uh, in your greatness and in your love and mercy. We, we want to pray for those among us that are, that are uh, sick and recovering. We want to pray for Joe. Lord, thank you that he's home from the hospital. And, that, uh, and we just pray that you, you, you continue to place your hand upon him. And, and, uh, and we just pray that you continue to minister your healing touch upon him, Lord. And we also pray for uh, Joyce, who's going through uh, surgery as well, Lord. And we just pray for Joyce, uh, Tester, that your uh, that your hand be upon the, the surgeons as they, they operate, and uh, that you uh, just let there be a, a total success. Guide the operation, please, Lord. Also for Bruce as well, Lord. As well, he had operation this week too, Lord. Please minister to him. And give him encouragement, Lord. It's been a long time in this recovery process, so we just pray you get, get encourage his soul, encourage his spirit, and and please, Lord, uh, give him your healing touch, Father. And Lord, we thank you as well for Carol. Same, same Carol, Lord. Just give her your 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 spirits, your spirits ministry to to her, Father. And now, Lord, we thank you for uh, uh, Brother Greg's going to give us a, a message this morning, Lord. And we just pray your anointing upon him. And, Give us open ears to hear what he has to say, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, and fill him with your spirit. And thank you, thank you for, uh, for uh, Brother Greg, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, I, I know this is going to be a good day because I had a bunch of problems today. First thing, I couldn't find my glasses today. And then I'm trying to put this mic in my pocket because I don't have on a belt. <laughs> but it's okay. I want to, uh, first of all, thank Sifu for praying for me. Uh, you know, today is is uh, my my mom who went to be with the Lord ten years ago, who took me to church from a little guy. Um, today would have been her one hundred and first birthday, uh, so it's nice to be preaching on her birthday. Um, Let's pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for another chance to, to worship you. And Lord, I thank you for another preaching opportunity. I ask that it be all of thee and none of me. Use me for your glory that these, your people, might be lifted up. So, Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing right now. 
But most of all, I thank you for what you're going to do in the future when your darling son Jesus comes back to take his body of believers home to be with him in glory forever. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't really have a pattern as to to how I um, write sermons or or what I ju- I just don't have it. I just write it the way the Lord wants to to give it to me, and He's gave it to me a little different today. Um, he gave me Ephesians the second chapter. Now, before before I go there, we don't have the scripture, right? No, because nobody. Okay, don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, sometimes we have to let people work. They need to pick up a Bible and open to Ephesians the second chapter. Ephesians the second chapter. That's where I'll be going. So Ephesians, the second chapter, first thing I want to say is that David, King David, acknowledges in, in Psalms 51, 5, that he is not only a sinner by practice, but also by nature. Like all humans, David was born with a sin nature. That's why Romans 3.23 is clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That sin nature causes us all to be dead to spiritual things. So the first thing in understanding the salvation story is understanding our condition. We are born dead. Dead folks can't do anything for themselves. Therefore, God has to do everything to give us life. So, Ephesians. Now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to read verse 1. I'm going to skip verse 2 and 3, but I'm going to go back to them. And then I'm going to read verses 4 through 10. Can we can you do that on the screen? So, verse 1, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him 
and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. That's a mouthful. Verse 1 says that we were dead. But the sad news is, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, you are still dead. That's the fact. So I'm go, I've skipped verse 2 and 3 for now. Verse 4 starts, but God. We were dead, but God. As we read these verses, I hope we can see and understand that God does everything. It's God's mercy. It's God's love. It's God's grace. It's even God's faith. Romans 12, verse 3 says, God has given every man. And when I say man, I'm referring to mankind, man and woman. He's given everybody a measure of faith. And that measure of faith that God gives everyone is what he uses to draw us to his son, Jesus. Understanding, we were dead. Dead folks don't have faith. It has to be given to us by God. And he gives us that faith to draw us to a son, Jesus. And it's God's son who died on the cross, who was buried, who rose on the third day with all power in his hands. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. So what role did any of us play in establishing the salvation story? None. We were dead. How can dead folks do anything to help themselves? Now, let's go back to verse 2 and 3. Okay. We were dead in our sins and trespasses, verse 1, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Okay. Verse 3. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So once we develop this relationship with God through his son Jesus, we become children of God. Amen? Okay. But the old nature is still there. Now, Paul says it this way in, in, in Romans 7. He says, the things that I, I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. That's the spiritual warfare that we're involved in. See, there's, there's many people that sit in churches all over the country, all over the world, that don't understand that they're in a spiritual warfare. They don't understand the things of the enemy. And therefore, we are in misery. We are in misery. We struggle. We struggle with things that we don't know how to get out of. So if you see, it's not there anymore, but you're talking about the world, the things of the world, the prince of the air, the liar, the father of lies, Satan, and our flesh. This is where the battle is. First John 2.16, it says it this way. The things of the world, the lust of the eyes. You know, we're allowed to see things that we shouldn't be looking at. The lust of the flesh. We desire things that we shouldn't be desiring and the pride of life wanting things that you see in the world that you shouldn't have and we do anything and everything trying to get that same tactics from the beginning of the world what did the serpent come to eat with the same three tactics now, I don't know how long Eve was, was in the garden before the serpent showed up. But I'm sure she had walked past it by the tree in the midst of the garden many times and left it alone. But when he got in her ear, all of a sudden the tree was desirable. She can imagine the taste of the fruit on the tree. 
and the pride of life. You can be like God. Same three tactics that we deal with. We see things in the world. We're children of God, but we want to still be part of the world and the things of the world. That's that nature, that sin nature that still tries to raise his ugly head from time to time. That's our battle. That's the spiritual warfare. That's why the word of God tells us to put on the full armor. You put on armor because you're in a battle. Spiritual warfare. Look, we cannot, we must not just trust God for salvation, for eternal life. We must also trust him for our life right now. Earlier I said that we are hemmed in by this spiritual warfare because of our sin nature that still likes to raise its ugly head. We're fighting against the things of the world, fighting against the father of lies, the evil one, and fighting against the desires of our own flesh. But we are not really hemmed in. We are only confronted on three sides. And as God has promised us, when we are tempted, he will provide a way of escape. He will provide that. And he provided our way of escape through Romans, the 12th chapter. Two verses, one and two. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's King James. Okay? So this is what God has provided to us as our escape. I beseech you, or I urge you, brothers and sisters, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice by the mercies of God. See, see, mercies are provided to people who are miserable. That was our condition, which we read in Ephesians. We were dead. We were miserable. 
So God had to provide mercy. And even now, as we are believers, as we are children of God, we can be miserable. We can be miserable. So that's why the first thing he said is by the mercies of God. Talking to miserable people. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now let's talk about this living sacrifice. David, this is a story about David sinning that you might not be aware of. And it's real, real easy to, to remember, and I thank God did this on purpose. Second Samuel 24, 24. SS, Second Samuel, 24 hours in a day, 24, 24. SS, 24, 24. David had sinned, and he sinned because he commanded that they do this census. He wanted to count his people. He wanted to count his people so that he could take credit for something that God did. He wanted to prove to everybody that he was this great king, and he wanted the people to know that he was a great king. So he was about to take credit for all the people, how God had increased the population. David was going to take credit for that. So now David's sin is revealed to him. So now he repents and he wants to build this altar to the Lord so that he can make this sacrifice. But there was a man that said, anything you need to build the altar, whatever you need, I will give it to you. I will give it to you. So David said, 2 Samuel 24, 24, he said, I will not sacrifice unto the Lord that which cost me nothing. The sacrifice that God is talking about is going to cost you something. Think about the sacrifices of Cain and Abel. God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice because it cost him something. He was not pleased with Cain's who, who bought some some withered vegetables. God was not pleased with that sacrifice. So when we talk about making our bodies a living sacrifice, it's going to cost you something. But the main thing that it's going to cost you is your comfort. See, we have a tendency to do the things for God that we feel comfortable with. And most of the things God has commanded us to do gets us out of that comfort zone. 
So, so if you're living in misery, God has given you mercy. And he wants you to be a living sacrifice. He wants you to get out of your comfort zone. I was sitting across from a lady last week at a luncheon, my wife and I, and she told me that she plays this game. Now, I know some of you might play games. I don't play games on my phone. I didn't realize why until this lady shared with me what she does on her phone. She said, I play this game every day. I can't start my day unless I play this game. It's an addiction. There's no other way to put it. It's an addiction. And so when we have addictions, they take away from what we're supposed to be doing for God. Okay, I'm playing this game every day, but when do I have time for prayer? I'm playing this game every day, but when do I have time to study God's word? See, see, we have to understand the tactics of the enemy. And his tactics is to get us off focus from the things that God wants us to do, from the things that are pleasing to God. So what I need you to do is start thinking about the things the thinking about the things that cause you to do something other than glorifying God. You know, I, I know guys that, you know, I play golf every now and then, but I know guys, it's a habit. They got to play golf. It's an addiction. So what I'm trying to get you to understand, we need to start thinking about the things that we do and the things that we put in place of God. I mean, they don't have to be these great big addictions and sins. They can be small. So small that we don't recognize them unless we understand the spiritual warfare that we're involved in. Have you, have you ever begun to pray and you, and you started thinking about all this stuff that you ain't thought about in years? All of a sudden it seeps in to take you off focus from your communication with God? That don't happen by accident. That's spiritual warfare. All of a sudden you're praying and then you start thinking about somebody you ain't thought about in 20 years. That's the spiritual warfare. You know, like, like the phrase in the Bible, get thee behind me, Satan. We can use that. We can use that. Because the enemy is busy. So making our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, 
which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship, as some translations say. Because God has done everything, bringing our dead bodies to life, don't we owe him something? I mean, he's done so much for him, we can never repay, but we should be striving to repay. repay. It says in the end part of Romans, the eighth chapter, that God's purpose is to conform us into the image of his son. So every day, every hour, every week, every year, we should be conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. We should be kinder. We should be having more patience with people. We should be studying his word more. We should be praying more. Those are the things that Jesus did. We, we, it's time out for coming to the Lord and, and receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior and then just sitting around for the next 10, 15, 20 years waiting for Jesus to come back. We have to be busy about his work. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. It's going to take some work. A workman who need not be ashamed, rightly able to divide the word of truth. We need to get out of this misery of not knowing what to do or who to call on. You know, the... Uh, David in Psalms 23 said, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't decide that uh, I'm going to hang out and, and pitch a tent. Some of us pitch a tent in our misery because we don't understand how to get out of it. Then the way we get out of it is being obedient to the things God has commanded us to do. And that obedience requires us to get out of our comfort zone. Misery is needed by those who are miserable. To get out of that misery is going to cost you something. And the main thing it will cost you is being comfortable in the state that you're in. He said, make your bodies a living sacrifice. God has done everything else and still continues to do. He's an awesome God. That's who he is. But we got to do something. So, so understand this, we're not working to get saved. God has done all of that, but we are to work because we're saved. We need to demonstrate to other people, to our family, to the world, 
that God is who he says he is. I mean, you know, I've been in churches where people have come in, you know, with their head hanging down. You know, sometimes it's hard to preach to people because it seems like they're not getting it. They come in with all of these struggles, all of these hang-ups. I understand that. But God has provided a way of escape. Study. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because when we do the word, we find out that the word works. And that brings us out of that misery. No, everything ain't going to be okay and all right all the time. But you're going through it. You're not hanging out there. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who he is. You know, I'm always talking about journaling. Write it down when God does something for you. And then when you get in a fix, you pick up that journal. And you go back through it. See, God blesses us so much, we forget his blessings. But if you have that journal and you write it down, and you know when to write something down. When God brings you through something and you know it was him, couldn't have been nobody else. That's what you write down. And when you find yourself in a situation later on in life, you can pick up that journal. Oh, I remember when he blessed me back in 1985. Oh, he blessed me again in 1992. He blessed me again in 2000. Oh, he blessed me over here. I forgot about this one in 2015. God is always delivering us from something. You know, I, I was thinking about the other day that God blessed me when I got COVID before there was even a vaccine. That's when people were dying and I had COVID. And there was no prescription to help me. That's in my journal. So when you look at that journal and now you find yourself in misery, you read that journal, how many times, time after time, God has blessed you. And understanding God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we look at our situation now, our situation of misery. And you understand through understanding his track record in your life. God's going to bless me in the situation that I'm in right now. Because he's the same yesterday and forever. And in his timing, he's going to bring me out of this one too. Because I trust him. He doesn't change. He never stops loving me. So either he's going to remove it or he's going to give me a way of escape or show me how I can deal with it in the midst of it. Sometimes God doesn't want to deliver us from something because he's still trying to teach us. And he can't teach us unless we go through.
So we don't always need to pray that God will remove stuff from people. Because sometimes we have to hit rock bottom. Because when you hit rock bottom, <laughs> ain't no other place to look but up. So all I'm trying to say is that, you know, as, as children of God, we shouldn't be camped out in misery. God has provided a way of escape. And that way of escape is just give our all in all to him. Living sacrifices. And God will reveal to us, prove to us, what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will. Amen? And I'm done.